Well, it's good to be here with you tonight. Am I on, fellas? Did I get uh, hit the button? I got a green light. I must be on. I hope so. We good to go? Good deal. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would, open them to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. While you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, I do want you to uh, take a look. Uh, I say take a look, but not necessarily right now. But uh, this card that you have, Independence Upon God. You understand what dependence upon God is. It's faith. Faith. And uh, today at lunch, we were talking a little bit about how that a lot of times people don't understand uh, the, the faith process. Does that make sense to you? And that is the fact that you're not going to leap tall buildings in a single bound, but you can take a step. All right? And so uh, uh, that's, that's this card. You take this card and you begin looking and you begin praying as we go throughout this Faith Promise Missions Conference. You start asking now the weekly, bi-weekly, monthly and all that, that that's according to maybe how you get paid, uh, how you receive your money uh, and the amount. I, I told you last night, I'm not one of those that when I pastored, I love the you know, $1, $5, $10, $20, $25. I didn't like doing that because I wanted the Holy Spirit to speak to hearts and give you amount. You, you know, uh, I, I'll just be real transparent. You know, sometimes you get those amount that somebody puts thirty-seven fifty, and you're sitting there going, come on, man, why can't you round up? You know, just make it 40 you know. But that was the amount that God laid on their heart. And so um, uh, I promise you, if you'll begin praying, and I hope that you've already begun praying as to what God would have you to do in this area of faith, promise, missions, giving, then I promise you, God will speak to your heart. And uh, you know, the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, it's sad, but many times we as Americans, we have to understand money's just a tool. All right? God is not up in heaven wondering how the Dow is doing tonight, all right? God's economy is completely different than our economy, and, uh, but yet God, for whatever reason, still chooses to work through us to get the gospel to fellow mankind. That responsibility of the gospel being given to mankind has been given to us, and I'll say more about that. Uh, later on, but uh, uh, again, uh, as I said last night, uh, we ask that you circle whether you're an adult, teen, or a child, and, and may I say this, children can get involved. Children can get involved. I, I, I know a, a man, I, I never pastored him, thank God, oh, did I say that publicly, and, uh, but uh, he used to take a quarter and tape it to the bottom of his baby's heel when he would put her in the nursery and he would write across the tape, missions. Missions. And that was her missions offering as a baby. He wanted to be able to, as she grew, to be able to say, since you were a baby, you've been giving to missions to help her to understand that even as a child, children can give. Amen. By the way, if you teach children, you, you know, Brother Michael talked about the things that he taught by, or was taught by experience and example from his father as a child. 
Well, you know, when you start with the example of giving, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Freely you have received, freely give. All right, now, now please understand, I, I'm not going to be Brother Michael. I remember several years ago, Brother Hooker came and preached at a youth uh, uh, rally, a youth meeting, and uh, a young man preached right before him, and he was turning cartwheels. And I remember Brother Hooker got up and he says, I remember being young, having the energy, and doing all those kinds of things. And he says, now I just, I just preach to you. I want the Holy Spirit to work. Now, I'm not as young as Brother Michael. You're not going to see me running across the platform. All right? I'm just going to talk to you a little bit tonight. Amen? But we're going to look at God's Word. We're going to allow God's Word to speak to our heart. So you take that card, you begin praying about what God would have you to do in the area of faith, promise, missions, giving. Now, do you have 2 Corinthians chapter 9? Would you stand with me, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I know many of you have worked, and I promise you we are going to get out of here tonight. Amen. No, I, I know you've got to go to work tomorrow, and we're going to get you out of here quickly so that you can... Uh, Get home and get some rest. Now, tomorrow's Friday night. And we'll make no promises about tomorrow night because you can sleep in Saturday until visitation time here at the church, all right? But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, look with me if you would in verse number 6. We'll start there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he that hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever." Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in every good thing to all bountifulness, which causeth uh, through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the most exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Now, Brother Michael talked about faith, faith promise, and Hebrews chapter number 11. Do you know God gives us many promises? And in this passage of Scripture, God gives us some faith promise promises or some promises that you can claim if you will be a part of ministering to the saints in verse number 1. And I'll, I'll outline that and show that to you here in just a moment. But uh, let's pray. You pray and ask God to speak to your heart even now as I pray. Now, Father... We thank you for the privilege that we have to come to you. Lord, thank you for the freedom that we enjoy to be able to come to this uh, church house tonight. Lord, to freely meet and worship you. Lord, to learn from your word. 
Lord, the, the video at the very beginning, how it stirred my heart of talking about the oppressed countries. And Lord, uh, it made mention of China, North Korea, and Laos. And Lord, uh, uh, countries that many times we don't think of as far as we, we think of Muslim countries. But yet, Lord, that is the realm in which we do much work through best. And Lord, how it stirred my heart. And I thought about some of the men, Lord, that we work with and how that uh, every time I come back to the States, I wonder if I'll get the opportunity to see them again. And let your, let, Lord, we're here tonight and we have the freedom to be able to be here. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of your folks to come and be here on a Thursday night. Now, Lord, we're, we've come here because we want to learn from your word. Now, Lord, uh, without you, I can do nothing. Lord, I need you tonight to help me. Give me clarity of mind. And Lord, use my voice as your voice tonight to be able to be a help, an encouragement, and yes, Lord, a challenge for us to understand that you've given us promises. Lord, may we claim those promises, may we be party to them. And Lord, in so doing, many thanksgivings will be given to you. And we thank you for what you do for us. We thank you for what you have done for us on the old rugged cross. Please help us now tonight, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you would, please be seated. Now look back with me, if you would, in, in chapter number 9, verse number 1. Notice he says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Now that word superfluous is just a big fancy word. It means advantageous. It is advantageous. But do you see that phrase there? He says, For as touching or as pertaining to the ministering to the saints. All right? That is a phrase that you're going to hear me say uh, probably this weekend. And I want you to go ahead and understand what that phrase means. He's talking about ministering to the saints. He's not talking about ministering to the church. He's talking about ministering to the saints. Now, so that you understand, we're down south. Now, down south, there's the you're either a saint or you ain't. Are you with me? All right. Now, I, now I understand that. I'm from Georgia. Amen. And uh, by the way, they play Auburn this weekend, so y'all pray for us. Amen. But, uh, uh, you know, many times we say that either you're a saint or you ain't. But in Scripture, Scripture has a reason why there is a word like saints there. And the first time you find in the New Testament the word saints being used. See, there's a thing called the law of first mention when you do Bible study. And in that law of first mention, you look and see in the New Testament, the first time that the word saints is used is in Matthew chapter 27. And you have that at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said it is finished and gave up the ghost. And you remember there in the temple how the, the curtain was rent in twain? Well, the Bible says many of the saints resurrected. All right? They came up out of the grave. They walked around the city of Jerusalem. Now, I'll be quite honest. I've always wondered about that because the Bible says it's appointed a man once to die. And here there's people that have died. Now they've resurrected. Obviously, they had to have died a second time because they're not walking around here now. Yeah, Y'all are looking at me going, I don't ever think stuff like that. All right. Well, you bear with me. Sometimes I think things like that. But, uh, but those words, saints, they're, they're people that have died 
And now these in Matthew chapter 27 are now living a resurrected life. I think no other group of people in Christianity uh, uh, shows us a picture of saints more than missionaries. Because they have died to themselves. See, you're not going to go to Ghana, Africa and go through some of the things that Brother Michael talked about unless you got to a point that you were willing to die to yourself. And I think Paul understands that and makes mention of it because he uses that phrase, ministering to the saints, and he talks about the saints in so many passages of Scripture. And he's not talking about people that are sitting there going, oh, woe is me, Paul, I don't know if I can go to uh, the regions beyond because I've got an ingrown toenail. Right? He is talking about a group of people that have gone through suffering and are suffering. And he is talking about churches that have benefited from the saints being a blessing or a help to them and minister to them. So you see what he says, for as pertaining to his touching or pertaining to the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous or advantageous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them. You remember last night when we talked about not boasting of ourselves? He says, I'm boasting to them of you. Remember what I talked about, about the bragging? How missionaries aren't going to, hey, look at It's thank you for enabling us and helping us to be able to do this. He says, I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. And he's making point that a year ago they started giving, and their giving provoked others to give. Do you know uh, uh, provocation is sometimes good? There's a thing called positive pressure. Right? And Paul is pointing out to the church at Corinth, hey, there's some other churches that, hey, they're giving these churches at Macedonia that we'll look at in Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's saying these churches, their provocation, their giving in their state has provoked others to get on board with this. Now, hey, listen, if nothing else you take away from last night when Brother Foreman was throwing out those figures and everything is take away that the fact that God has allowed some churches to be able to do some things that you're going, wow! And don't let it blow your mind. Just go, Lord, I may not can do that, but I can do something. Amen. And he says, your zeal hath provoked very many. Verse number 3, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf. That is, as I said, you may be ready. Lest haply, haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. You know, that's what this whole place is about. Is so that your missionaries don't find you unprepared in helping them. And that's what he says, um, find you unprepared. We, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Paul's back to talking about that boasting. And he's saying, now listen, I, I want you to know, I, I want you to be prepared for this because, boy, I've been boasting, I've been bragging on you. I don't want the, the sails to drop from where you once were. Are you with me? And so Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth in verse number 5. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren. I'm not here to browbeat you. I'm just trying to exhort the brethren. 
that you would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty or your blessing whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty or blessing and not as of covetousness. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, he's saying, listen, I want to make sure that you're ready for this. And it says, I've got people that are ready to, to help with the bounty or help with the blessing. And he says, you don't give as a matter of covetous. It's not hearing somebody say, well, this is what God has enabled me to be able to do. It is not going, well, I want to get to where they're giving. No, we get to the point that we're giving what God wants us as individuals to do. It's not a matter of covetous so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, well, I tell you what, I'm one of the top five givers in the church. No, it's not about what we do. It's about what He has done and what He wants us to do as individuals. All right? Now, so that you understand, and I think you're getting the point now, uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9 are about giving. Grace giving, faith giving, whatever you want to call it. It's about giving. And he's not talking about the tithe. Are, are, are you with me? You know, Malachi chapter number 3, that book and chapter that everybody goes, oh, there's a preacher preaching on money. You know, in Malachi chapter 3, God had a controversy with Israel, His people. Are you saved? Are you saved? All right, then you're His people. People say, well, that's Old Testament. Oh, don't get me started on that. Tithing was pre-law, it was law, it was post-law. It was the thing that Jesus commended the Pharisees for. But in Malachi, God had a controversy with Israel. He said, you have robbed me. And they said, where have we robbed thee? And he said, in tithes and offerings. Those are two separate things. I'm amazed at how many Christians think a tithe and an offering are the same thing. Those are separate things. In tithes and offerings. All right. Now, if you're an honest Christian, and I believe you are, you're going to tithe. Amen. Because the Bible says in the book of Leviticus, the tithe is the Lord's. There's no ifs, ands, and buts. The tithe is not yours. It is the Lord's. All right, it's God's. Now, the tithe is easy to direct as to how much. The word tithe means tenth. All right, so a tenth of your increase is not yours, it's God's. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. All right, it's the tenth. Right, let me illustrate. You know what the tithe is? All right, and I'll show this. Brother Allen, would you help me out? All right, uh, Brother Allen. Oh, we got your wallet out. That's right. Brother Allen has a gift for me. He found that out in the parking lot before the service. And he came and says, Brother Hall, I have a gift for you. Now let me ask you a question. Did he give me a gift? Well, whose, whose wallet is this? So, so he gave back to me that which is rightfully That's mine. Good. That's good. Amen. That's good. The tithe Amen. is the Lord's. When you give the tithe, you are just giving back to God that which is rightfully His. Thank you, Brother Allen. Appreciate that. All right? And so for you to keep the tithe is keeping something that is not rightfully yours. Amen. All right? Now, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is not talking about the tithe. It's talking about an offering, a bounty, something that is done ministering to the saints. 
The tithe is the Lord's. It, it goes through the local New Testament church because that is the storehouse. We are in the New Testament age, right? Are you with me? All right. And so in the New Testament age, it goes through the church. Now, I'll tell you this. I think that, that the offering for the saints ought to go through the church as well. You stay safe in doing so, giving it through the church. But the tithe is easy for us to direct. It's the tenth. It's a, the tenth of your increase to God goes back to Him to honor Him by acknowledging Him that He has given you the wherewithal to be able to go uh, have the ability to work the job, to do whatever it is that you do. The tithe is rent for breathing God's air. The tithe is rent for living on God's earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If, if you've got a hard time with tithe, then you're going to have a hard time with the rest of my messages. Because it starts there. If you're here tonight, you're here this, this week, if, if you've not started tithing, don't you pray and ask God to give you an amount to give to missions if you're not tithing first. It starts with the tithe, all right? Now, you're not going to claim faith promise promises if you're not already obeying in the tithe, okay? Are you with me? i, I got to hurry. I told you I want to get you out tonight, all right? Now, the offering is different. This bounty is different. See, I can direct you in the tithe. The tithe is the tenth. But the amount on this card, I, I can't direct you. Your pastor can't direct you. I, I, me, personally, I'm fearful to throw out figures and talking and everything. You know why? Because God has to direct. See, I, I, under the authority of Scripture, I can tell you what the tithe is. But the offering, the offering is as you purpose in your heart, as your several ability. See, the Bible uses different terms to talk about the offering. As God hath prospered him. Alright? But I want you to understand something. Look with me in verse number 6. Alright? Verse number 5. All these from verse 1 down through verse number 5. He's talking about this bounty for ministering to the saints. Notice verse number 6. But this I say. Alright? He's talking about this bounty. He's talking about this offering. He's reminding them that a year ago they started and what they did to, to minister to the saints provoked others to give. And he's reminding them, hey, this time is coming up again. Let's make sure that you have that bounty there. And he says, but this I say, reminding them the second time around. Notice what he says. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. See, Paul's the one, or may I say, Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the one tying it back to the bounty in the verses beforehand. All right? Now you understand the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. You reap after you sow. You reap more than you sow. And you reap according to how much you sow. All right? And so, understand, Paul is the one tying this together. Now look with me in verse number 7. What's the first two words? I'm sorry, help me out. I'm getting old and hard to hear. What, what is it? Every man. Every man. 
Who does that exclude? Brother Hall, I, I, you know, thank you. I appreciate you coming. I just don't think that it applies to me. Well, you, you take it up with God. He said every man. By the way, this is not the first time, nor will it be the last time you will see that phrase that I point out to you in this in passages of Scripture that I'll show you. And all I'm dealing with is 2 Corinthians 10 last night, 9 tonight, 8 tomorrow night, and 1 Corinthians where he started it out. Because this is the second epistle to the church at Corinth. And Paul started it out in 1 Corinthians and they said, hey, could you explain this a little bit further? And he says, okay, and he devoted two and a half chapters, three chapters to it. In the second epistle, every man, every man. Well, Brother Hall, you don't understand my economic situation. I don't have to understand your economic situation. God's not up in heaven worried about our American economy. He knows what his economy is. And I'm sure people could stand up like Brother Michael and give testimony of what God has done and how you have seen God work. It's not that the Lord's hands are, are shortened or that His promises are slack. It's just we've got to be willing to step out by faith. Say, okay, Lord, I believe you. All right? Verse number 7. Every man notices according as he purposeth in his heart. In other words, that's, that's between you and God. You and God are going to have to decide or purpose in your heart what you're going to do. But every man, as he purposeth in, in his heart, so let him give. Now when you do so, don't, it says not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I pastored for over 11 years. God wants a cheerful giver. I'll take any old grump that'll give. But God is pointing out that you take time and you seek His face and His direction is what to do and then you purpose in your heart and then when you give, it's not, well, I tell you what, bless God, I was coerced into this. No, I'm not twisting your arm. I'm just showing you Scripture. And when you purpose in your heart, don't sit there and go, well, I tell you what. Just, no, sit there and go, boy, I'm glad. That God sent His Son for me, and I'm going to give to minister to the saints, to help get the gospel to the regions beyond me, because I'm thankful that God got the gospel to me. All right? He says, uh, uh, not of necessity, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. All right. Now, all of that's introduction. I'll hurry quickly through the message and show you the promises. In verse number 8, Number one, God has promised to meet your requirements or your needs. In verse number eight, and God is able. Remember, verse number seven, all these verses, they tie together. Every man according as he purpose in heart, so let him give. No, notice, and God is able. Boy, you could stop and preach right there. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always, always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Do you have me, see how many times the word all is used there? All grace, all sufficiency in all things. Alright? Now, Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need. 
singular. The greatest need any person has is the need of salvation. And that has been provided for us. Now, I understand the context of Philippians chapter number 4. Paul is commending the church at Philippi because they were ministering to the saints and they were helping the missionaries. It is a missions promise in Philippians 4.19. And boy, do so many people take that promise out of context of Scripture. But he says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And He did supply all of our need by Christ Jesus. Because the honest truth is, all that any of us truly need is salvation. Everything that I have above and beyond getting saved is just a bonus. Amen? It's kind of like the whipped cream and the little doodads that they put on your frou-frou coffee drink. You don't need the whipped cream and the little doodads on there. You just need the coffee. I, I'm an ACBC person. After coffee and before coffee. Don't see me BC. Uh, you said, Brother Hall, how you doing? Uh, 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 uh. Uh, Brother Hall, what is that? That's get out of my way and let me get the coffee. But my God shall supply all your need. God has promised to meet our need, and He did through Christ Jesus. But wait a minute, He's also promised to meet our needs. In verse number 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency. Sufficiency. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you're going, Brother Hall, I really don't have any needs. I'm able to provide for myself. Well, then may I suggest to you, you start giving an amount to missions that will create a need. God won't be a debtor to anyone. God will not be a debtor to anyone. If we're not careful, we here in America... We're going to get to the point that we like to live so comfortably. And I'm not against living comfortably, folks. We're going to get to that point that we're going to say, what do I need God for? Most of the time, we, we want to make sure we got enough zeros in the checkbook that if we want to go eat meat... We can do it. It's covered. It's good. By the way, I'm not against that. I'm just saying you better get to the point that you realize what you need comes from God. And that you better let God be the one that is able and not thinking that you're the one that's able. If you, if you, depend, if you have a self-dependency too much, you know, the Bible says God's a jealous God. What you've done is you've just put yourself as your own idol. God will put you in a position to where you do need Him. I, I would rather voluntarily say, God, I need you, 
than be at the point to where I've got to be like Saul and go get a hold of the horns of the altar and just say, God, I've got, I need you. I'd rather of my own self say, no, I'm going to be a disciple, be a disciplined one, and say, no, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. You understand you can't breathe without God. Several years ago, you know, kids like candy, right? Any kids like candy? Amen. My kids are no exception. Now, I'm dad. You know what dad likes to do? He likes to sneak into some of his kids' candy. And my kids had, had jawbreakers. And I'm not necessarily, but I saw one of those jawbreakers and I thought, you know, it's been years since I had one of those jawbreakers. Man, I popped that thing open, put it in my mouth. And I'm sucking on it and sucking on it and sucking on it. All of a sudden, guess what I did? I sucked too hard. And I sucked it into my throat. My wife, my kids were gone. That's why I was sneaking into the candy. <laughs> and, and here I am. And I run into the bathroom. And I'm looking in the mirror. In my mind, I'm sitting here going, what do I do? You know, and you're hitting yourself up against the... I'm trying to give myself the Heimlich, you know. And I'm just still looking at myself and... All of a sudden, I just stopped, and I'm starting to turn twinges of purple. And I thought to myself, God, I can't even breathe without you. Thank God that God made your body as an amazing thing. Your body creates its own chemicals to break down foods. And that thing was stuck in my throat. Those chemicals were working, and finally it... Now, and I go... And I looked at the mirror and I said, God, truly, I cannot breathe without your help. See, that's called God dependency. And we take for granted breathing. We look at our checkbook and we say, I don't need God. I'd hate for God to put you in a position where you're sucking on a jawbreaker and God says, you need me now, don't you? You need me now. But God is able to meet our need and supply for us. God is not going to be a debtor. In context of Scripture, we're talking about sowing and reaping and giving cheerfully to the ministering of the saints. And God has promised to meet our requirements or meet our needs or to make sure that we have all sufficiency. We may not eat meat every meal. But can I tell you, I've learned in this last year, peanut butter and jelly isn't too bad for lunch some days either. Neither is romaine noodles, is it? Brother Michael's boys had romaine noodles while their dad went and ate meat. It's not right, is it, boys? Not right. Not right at all. Yeah. I say number two, God promises to memorialize our righteousness. Look with me if you would in verse number nine. 
He, Paul writes and he says, As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the, to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now notice he says, as it is written. Turn over if you would, hold your place in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and turn over to Psalm 112. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Because this is where Paul is talking about as it is written. He is quoting or re-giving uh, uh, re us Psalm 112 where it says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endureth forever. And if you were to keep going on and read, you could read there in Psalm 112, even in verse number 9 where it says, He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. And is talking about this man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. It is not talking about God himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 or Psalm 112. So we look back in 2 Corinthians chapter Chapter 9, and he says, Hey, listen, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Semicolon, talking about those good works. He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Hey, you remember last night that dispersing abroad. What are we dispersing abroad? We're dispersing the gospel to go into the regions beyond where we are at. And he says here, he's given to the poor. I hate to break the news to you, but you live in the United States of America. You say, okay, Brother Hall, what does that have to do with the price of beans in China? What well, has to do with us giving to the poor? See, people say, well, I'm in America, I'm poor. If you make more than $10,000 a year, you're richer than 85% of the world's population. Did you hear that statistic? If you make $10,000 a year or more, you are richer than 85% of the world's population. In, in Thailand, they have now a 300 baht rule. It's for the Burmese immigrant workers because the Thai businesses would take advantage of them. Do you, you know how much 300 baht? 300 baht is now the legal minimum wage for a Burmese immigrant worker. Do you know how much 300 baht is? My wife does. My kids do. They're over there going, yes. How much is 300 baht? $9. $9. Can I hire you young men tomorrow for $9? Yeah. $9. That's not an hour. That's a day. $9 a day. You want to work for $9 a day? You guys, man, you guys are poor then. You're going, yeah. <laughs> McDonald's, they're hiring. You make more than, you make $9 an hour. All right? But it's talking about he hath dispersed abroad to the poor. You understand there's a lot of people that they don't care how much we know about this unless they know we care about them. Look at how many times Jesus fed people to perform miracles. 
And sometimes we're going to give and disperse abroad. Hey, can I tell you, the greatest gift you're going to give is the gospel. Can I tell you, the people most willing to receive it, many times those who are the poorest. And he says here, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. In other words, God has promised to make your righteous acts remain forever. Now let me give you a scriptural illustration to prove what I'm talking about. Acts chapter number 10, don't turn there for a time's sake, but in Acts chapter number 10, you have an angel that comes to Cornelius. Or Cornelius, a devout man that fears God, but a lost man. All right? And the angel comes to Cornelius, and what does he say? Cornelius, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial to God. I used to always say God's not obligated to hear the prayer of a lost man except for the prayer of salvation. And I kept reading the Bible. And I found out that Cornelius is a lost man. God heard his prayers. May not only did God hear his prayers, God knew what he gave. God knows what a lost man gives. Are you lost? If he knows what a lost man gives, and that lost man's giving comes up as a memorial to God, I don't know about you, but the thought of that kind of convicts me. That a lost man's giving comes up as a memorial to God. What's our giving come up as? God knows. Boy, it gets quiet. Mm. Mm. Can I tell you? I'm going to tell you whether you give me permission to or not. That was meant to be humorous. It failed. <laughs> The three things of eternal value, soul of a man, the local New Testament church, because that's the bride, and the word of God. And God's going to memorialize your righteousness, your righteous acts, your giving if you would. Hey, can I tell you, if you'll invest in the soul of a man, your local New Testament church or the word of God, God says, that'll last. That'll be memorialized. Hey, that'll come up as a memorial. Now, look back with me in chapter number 9. And let's hurry quickly because I told you I was going to get you out of here tonight. Well, you're going, Brother Hall, it's not funny now. Let us go. <laughs> number 3, God promises to multiply your seed sown. Verse number 10, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now that ties it back to verse number 9 about memorializing your righteousness. But he is going to increase the fruits of your righteousness. And remember last night I told you about the lad and the loaves and the two fishes and how the Lord didn't take the fishes but he took the loaves. And in the lad's hand those five loaves were just lunch. But when he took those loaves and he was willing to put them in the Savior's hands, once they got in the Savior's hands, they no longer were lunch, but they now became a miracle. And how God took those five loaves and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children and took up 12 baskets of the fragments that remain. Hey, that's called multiplication. 
I may be from Georgia, but I understand that's multiplication. And you know, when you give to minister to the saints so that the gospel can be preached to the regions beyond you, do you know what God promises to do? God promises to take that seed. I'm not talking about seed money. I'm talking about the seed of the gospel. And multiply your seed sown. Say, how is that? Because I promise you that man can tell you, and I can tell you, we have opportunities to preach to crowds of people the gospel of Jesus Christ that sometimes would make our heads swim. In India, it is nothing to preach to 10,000 people. And they will sit in the sun and wait to listen. You preach an hour, hour and a half and say, I've got to close. And they look at you and say, no, no. They preach it to death. But you know what that is? That seed being multiplied. So I'll be honest and transparent with you. You know, sometimes it's hard for me when I come back. He knows what I'm talking about. It's hard for me. How many like to fish? Anybody like to fish? Like to fish? Now the rest of you that don't like to fish, you understand fishing though. If you were going to go fishing, if I'm going to go fishing, I want to catch fish. Right? I'm not one of those guys that's like, well, let's just go wet a hook and kill some time. I got enough things to do. I I don't want to kill time. You know, if I'm going to go fishing, I want to catch fish. If I'm going to go hunting, Brother Michael, man, I want to kill a deer. Rise, kill, and eat. All right? If I'm going to go share the gospel, I'll be honest with you, I like catching fish. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. In Thailand, in Thailand, 95% of the nation is Buddhist. Now for where we're at, 4% is Muslim, less than half a percent is Christian. But for where we're at, everybody's really Buddhist. All right, so I'm going to use that 95%. You know what that tells me? It tells me when I go out on the street, nine and a half out of every ten people I meet are lost. I don't have to go far to go fishing. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have to go far to catch fish. He talked to somebody. Now, we're down south. You know what I've learned about down south? Everybody's saved. Whether they're saved or not, everybody's saved. Oh, yeah, I went to church when I was a kid. I got, I got baptized. I'm saved. It's like, you're going to hell. I can't, I, you, can't, you, know, you can't even get them lost. They know the terminology. You know, well, my grandma's got a pew there, got her name on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the roll. I'll be like, you may be on the church roll, but you're not on the Lamb's Book of Life roll. God promises to multiply our seed sown. He doesn't promise to add. He promises to multiply. Now, I told you I'm from Georgia. There's some things that are simple to me. But I can either add or I can multiply. If you're going to take a Twix and add and give me two, or you're going to take a Twix and multiply and give me three, I'll take three every time. You college guys are going, yeah, I want some food too. Amen. Can I give you this last thought and we'll be gone.
We'll get out of here. And nobody said amen. All right, I, I can keep preaching if you want me to. Uh, number four, God promises to supply wants. Now, Brother Michael hit on needs, and I hit on needs at the beginning in verse number eight. But look with me, if you would, verse number 11. In verse number 11, it says, being enriched. Uh, in everything to all bountifulness. Now, again, look at the punctuation. At the end of verse number 10, we're continuing this blessing thing, and he's just being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Now, stop right there just for a moment. Uh, boy, I was rereading this, and that jumped out at me. Because of your, your uh, bountifulness or your blessing and your giving, it says, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. You know, Brother Michael made mention of it and that the, the prayer conference and the need. I promise you, when he got word right beforehand that the money was there, I promise you he wasn't going, well, thank you, Lord, I appreciate that. No, he was going, oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's one of those old-fashioned hallelujah, glory to God, he came through again. See, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you've never been at a point that you've really had a need. And God, Paul's talking about, hey, when you help minister to the saints and you supply a need, he says, you're not only helping them, but you're helping thanksgiving to be given to God by helping them. You know why? Because they're going to get your help and they're going, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's kind of like the church that votes to take you on for support and then four months later you still hadn't seen a check from them. And you're going, no, no Lord, I, I, I got a need coming up here. And, and all of a sudden you get a check and a note that says, hey, Brother Hall, we forgot to add you to our memorized transaction list. Here's a check for the last four months. And you're going, guess what it covers? What your need is. You think I'm spending some time? You know, you ought to spend as much time praising and thanking God for the answer to prayer as what you did begging Him to get the answer. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which calls it through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of the service, not only supplieth the want of the saints but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. There's that thanksgivings again. But he says, not only supplieth the... doesn't say need. It says the want. All right, now, now I'm about done, but stay with me just for a minute. If you're here and you're a parent, you're going to understand what I mean. As a parent, there's really no joy in just supplying the need of your children... Because you know the things they need. I'll give you an illustration. You know, when I was growing up, I used to get shipped off to my, my uncle's farm in South Georgia for the summers. And every August, my dad would come down there to get me and everything. And I'd been working all summer long, and I'd been eating grandma's cooking all summer long. And I was going to need to have new clothes for the new school year anyway. You get what I'm saying? I'd outgrown my clothes. And dad would take me and we'd go to the outlet store down in Valdosta, Georgia. 
and pick out some new blue jeans and get some new tennis shoes. I'll be honest with you, I like my old tennis shoes. I mean, they were just getting broke in. You, you know what I'm talking about? Huh. And my wife took me to get some new tennis shoes not too long ago. And then she took my old ones and threw them away. Boy, I tell you what. Shame, shame, shame. They were just getting broke in. Now, my dad would do that. You know what he was doing? He was supplying my needs. You know, my dad would be like, Is that what you want, boy? Yes, sir, that, that works. That was good. All right, sounds good. What's the bill? Let's pay it. Let's go. But can I tell you, when Christmas time came around and he put that 410 shotgun underneath the tree, see, that shotgun wasn't a need, it was a want. And when that want was supplied, whoo, Dad, thank you. All right. It wasn't just me. It was Dad going, come on, boy, let's go around. Let's take it out back. Let's try it out. Yeah, see how it does. See, he had as much joy, not just in supplying a need, because as a parent, he knew he was going to supply my needs. The joy came when he says, what do you want? You're my, you're my son. You want this? Okay, yeah, you, you've been... A, a good boy, been an obedient son this year. Hadn't had to whoop you too many times. 410. Oh, yeah. See, he experienced as much joy in the giving of my want as I did and having my want supplied. He's my Heavenly Father. He's going to take care of my needs, He's promised to do so. But there's joy on his part. And may I say, even more joy on my part when he supplies a want. And if we're not careful, you know, God will just be, you know, the God that supplies my needs. Oh, I'm his child. He takes great joy in supplying wants as well. As long as I'm wanting the right things. I'm not prayed for a Mercedes. I don't need a Mercedes. I got a Toyota. I, there's a lot of things we ask God for that we say, yeah, it's a want, but it's a lust. Might be consumed upon our own lusts. It's not something that God looks down and says, Okay, I take joy in that. God looks down and says, no, you wouldn't appreciate that. You wouldn't appreciate that. See, honestly, I want ice cream all the time. But my wife will tell me, honey, it's not good for you. And if she supplied my want all the time, I wouldn't be a healthy individual. And if God supplied all my wants all the time... I wouldn't be a healthy Christian. And I wouldn't be a grateful Christian. But if he does supply some of my wants, I have great thanksgiving. And he gets great thanksgiving. My question to you tonight is, 
There are promises listed there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. My question is, will you claim the promises? But those promises are attached to ministering to the saints. Are you going to be willing to minister to the saints that you support as missionaries? In so doing, you get the right to claim those promises. I don't know about you, but I like exercising my rights as a Christian and enjoying them. Our Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help us.